Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition, post-2021 NFL Draft edition of Texans All Access. And I think I'm sad, but I think I'm excited. I think I'm nervous. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do with my hands, kind of like Ricky Bobby, because what do you do now after the draft? But either way, it's done. It's in the books. And we are here to talk about it. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And I am joined right off the bat by the voice of the Texans, my man, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, happy post-draft Texans All-Access Day. How are you doing? Well, it's weird that it's over, Johnny, because we look forward to it so much. It's such a, a landmark in the offseason, and it's a corner turner. You know, once you hit the draft to get through it, you've turned the corner and you're kind of headed for home now. Yeah. Uh, you're on the back nine of the offseason, ready to tee off in September. And I really believe that, you know, they've done some good things. I found Nick Casario, and I know we're going to hear from him tonight, but I found Nick Casario's reaction interesting. He didn't want to make too big a deal out of the draft. This is just another part of the offseason, another little building block to what they're trying to accomplish in 2021 and beyond. So I thought that was interesting. He didn't want to blow it up too much. Uh, but there certainly are some not- notable picks here in 2021 for the Texans. Let's start, and you're right, we will have Nick Casario, general manager, your Houston Texans, on with us in our next segment. We had a chance to catch up with him Saturday after the draft, and Mark, that was the first thing that stood out to me when we talked to him. It took him kind of a couple seconds to to answer, and then to say, yeah, it's good. You know, I mean, not going to build it up, not going to reveal, you know, things that did or didn't happen, just, you know, it's another step in the building of this organization from a personnel standpoint. So it was pretty interesting. But, Mark, the question that Drew asked me on our draft special, which if you missed it, uh, I know it's on I know it's on YouTube, but I think you can also see it at HoustonTexas.com. Hopefully you DVR'd it or however you take in your TV content. Uh, but I thought it was fabulous. My man Tyler Marcotte putting that together was just incredible. I mean, to, to think about that, putting that show together – and where we've come as a department, because that's all in our department. It, it was incredible. But the question Drew asked me right off the bat, Mark, as now we've had a, a couple of days, day and a half, whatever it's been, to kind of think back and go, okay, it's only five picks. Davis Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, Garrett Wallow, and Roy Lopez Jr. Your overall thought about what the Texans did from a 30,000-foot view, and then we'll dive into some of these guys individually, but just – Overall, 30,000-foot view, how do you feel a couple days after the draft is concluded? I feel like they. this is, if you're making a meal, these are spices. Uh, the entree, you know, you could have one or two in here. You could have some side dishes. But, it, again, it's just part of the whole thing. I think they feel like they've added so much to this roster, this organization in the offseason free agent-wise but they know that it's a process and that's why they're not going to sit here and trot anybody out as you uh, look at this acquisition here, look at this draft choice there. It's a whole mix of players. So I feel like they've just added to the mix, you know, because I think with all these guys, Johnny, look, Nico Collins could turn out to be a hell of a playmaker. You know, I heard Clint, you know, they replayed some comments and quarterback's best friend of the red zone is a receiver with size, whether it's a tight end or him. And speaking of tight end, Brevin Jordan, you know, he could be heard from uh, sooner rather than later. Who knows about Davis Mills? 
you know, I, I don't think anybody's under pressure to perform instantly for this team. So I felt like these are seeds being planted. Some might come up faster than others. I know I'm using a lot of metaphors here, but you know, it's another bunch of stuff added to the mix and we don't know what it's going to look like yet. We're all eager to see it at the Houston Methodist training center than obviously in the games. Let's talk about Davis Mills, Mark. I will say that honestly, I was, I was surprised about a quarterback, but when I saw Kyle Trask at the end of the second and Kellen Mond go off the board, I felt like, holy cow, if somebody steps up and, and nabs Davis Mills, we're going to be left holding the bag with basically no, nothing left over. There's going to be nothing left in the bag if we, if we don't take a quarterback. And so I've kind of thought this all the way through, and I didn't think they would have it going in. I didn't think that all three of them would go off the board before 67. So when I think back and go, okay, if you told me beforehand, you won't have an opportunity to even think about a quarterback at 109, I would have said, okay, take the one you think has the best potential in Davis Mills. And I, I've thought about this. I was listening to Landry, and he said it probably about as well. I, I tried to say it over the weekend, and hopefully it made sense. And I saw a Twitter account, a guy that follow, follows me. I've followed him for a long time, and he's a, he's a great guy. But he was making a point. How do you know he would have been a first-rounder in the future? And he wasn't saying it to me. He was just saying it in general. And I just said, because I've, I've done this for 20-some-odd years, I know what a future first-rounder looks like. I know, what it look, I know what teams are looking for. And if Davis Mills would have been healthy in his 2021 season at Stanford – that dude's a first rounder. I promise you, just with all the skills you saw on the field, doing it for a whole nother year, he would have everything that teams are looking for. And he would have shot up boards and you got him a year earlier uh, than you expected. The other part of it is you get him in the third round. Now it's pick number 67. There's no guarantee 67 works out. There's no guarantee that number one overall works out, to be honest with you. If you hit on Davis Mills and you, and you won't know, but let's say that in some way, shape, or form, he gets on the field in 2021, and you're like, hey, man, we got something here. We've got something. Well, when we get first-round picks back in 2022 and beyond, now maybe you don't have to have them on a quarterback. And look, we have no idea how any of this quarterback thing is going to work out, none whatsoever. But in Davis Mills, the, the, the um, – what's the word I'm looking for? The, the negative, if you will, is, yeah, he was hurt a little bit with the knees. He doesn't have a howitzer for an arm. Do you know what? If I'm going to entrust an offense to somebody that ha and, he, and he has to go on the field for some reason, I just assume give it over to Davis Mills. Your thought about Davis being a pick right there at 67. Nick, as you pointed out, you made this point. So I'm going to steal your point, Johnny, that he's a CNBC guy, the financial <laughs> world. He finds that interesting. Yeah. And – you know, you buy the stock before it's mature. You know, it's one thing to buy Google now or to buy right. Facebook now. Right. Uh, now, maybe these aren't even the best examples because, look, you know, when, when IPOs and everything like that. But to buy a stock when it's lower and right. be able to take the ride up is really is really cool. And that's kind of what they did with Davis Mills. And I use the bananas, which you stole from me, by the way. I the did. Bananas, yeah, the green Dude. bananas that you know are going to get ripe. And it might happen tonight. It might happen tomorrow morning. I mean, it happens so fast in Houston if you leave them out, right? 
especially if you don't break up the bananas, but that's a whole other topic. But Ooh. if you, you know, if you leave them all in the bunch anyway, yeah. Davis Mills is the greener bananas. You know, you got him while he's ripening as a quarterback. Now he could get there quick or it could take time, but it's a good risk in the third round. The risk reward thing is really high here. He could turn out to be something really special. And you know what? If he doesn't, it's a third round pick. You mentioned it. So look, all the guys, Johnny, that were drafted early, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. How many of those guys are going to make it? You know, how many yeah. of the top drafted quarterbacks are going to make it big? Two, one. I don't know. They're not all going to make it. And somebody's going to feel really bad about the pick they made. Right. And I'm praying for my Bears friends that it's not Chicago. Because, oh, gosh. Because they've suffered. But, Johnny, look at the Jags. Look at the Titans. Look at the Jags picking Blaine Gabbert, high pick. Picking Blake Bortles, high pick. And those guys don't work out there. Right. That hurts a lot, you know. And, you know, even the Titans, you know, VY didn't really work out for them ultimately. Jake Locker right. obviously didn't work out for them. It's hard. It's hard to find the right guy. Mariota didn't work out for them. They flamed out with three highly drafted quarterbacks. You drafted a guy in the third round who should be a first rounder next year. This is a good time to take him. It's a good way to do it. And we'll see if it works out. Yeah, no doubt. And again, we have no idea whatsoever what this quarterback situation is going to yeah. be. And as we've said many, many times, we can't answer the legal questions. Nobody can. Nobody, 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 nobody can answer any of the legal questions going on right now with Deshaun Watson. Nobody. We can talk about it. We won't because we can't speculate on that because we don't, we don't know anything. And so at that point, you go with what you got. So right now your quarterback room is Terod Taylor, Ryan Finley, and uh, Davis Mills, and we'll see what ends up happening uh, you know, with Deshaun Watson going forward. But beyond that, Mark, Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan are then the next two picks off the board. And there was some maneuvering to get up to get Nico. Then there was some movement around to go get Brevin Jordan. And I joked with, I joked with Nick saying that someone stole my board and put it in front of him, and he just picked the next guy because that's who was next on my board. But I see guys – First of all, Collins, 6'4 plus, 215, runs in the 4'4 range. Brevin Jordan, what you're looking for in a pass-catching tight end with some blocking ability. They go offense with those two picks. And, Mark, I don't know if you hit on either one of them, really. I hope you do. But Nico's taken later in the third, and you get Brevin Jordan in the fifth. If those guys hit, my goodness, think about what you have. What are your thoughts about them going offense there and going pass catchers essentially with both of them. Well, it's an offensive league now. I know everyone's saying, well, didn't you need defensive help? Didn't you need more defensive help? And look, Nick and his staff decided that at those particular spots, it wasn't going to be worth it to them. Now, somebody's going to be wrong somewhere. You know, is there, you know, a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick that's going to turn into a really great defensive player? Could happen, of course. Uh, or maybe it's just a good, solid contributor. But you hit on something special here, potentially, with Brevin Jordan, who should have been drafted higher, or Nico Collins, who really could be amazing if it all works out. Now, in all likelihood, one of the two is going to work out really well. 
You know, I mean, if you hit 50% on those two guys in the third and fifth round, when you look at draft history in this league, you're doing a really good job. If they both hit, my goodness. Johnny, I think it all speaks to this. They, and, you know, you asked me what my take was on the class, and I think I said this on Saturday too. They're not tanking, okay? They're not, their goal is not to have a great pick in 2022. Their goal is to win as many football games as possible. This yeah. is the best way they can see fit to do it. Not that these guys are going to be counted on day one to make the big plays for them, but they feel like they've got the potential to do it. So let's see if they can realize that potential. I'll give you one thing, Mark, that stood out to me. And I think this is ultra, ultra difficult to do, especially in your first year as GM. I think it would have been really, really easy for Nick to just make eight picks. These are guys that he really likes. You get emotional about those players like, hey, I, I really like this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to get this guy. But he didn't do that, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't get kind of emotional about those particular players or those particular options or picks. He's just very measured and calculating and looks at it. And, and you know, I, I talked about the, the you mentioned it, the buy low, sell high sort of concept. I mentioned supply and demand. There's a very financial kind of quality to the way that he perceives it. And that, to me, Mark, is what's going to help him if it hasn't already helped him kind of measure value. And I think – I know this happens to me a lot. I see a player – that's a player I, re I really liked when I watched him. And maybe I pump up his value because I, I liked him. Maybe I'm not taking everything into account. And it felt like there was a very – from Nick, it was a very staunch analytical approach to this – but it was very calculated how they were going about it. They were looking at boards horizontally and vertically and coming to what was the best answer, not to, I love this guy, got to go have this guy. And I think when that happens, you're able to, as a staff, as a GM, maximize the value in the picks and the players that you end up getting because – you're not saying, oh, my God, I got to have this guy. And then you don't get him. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? I need a receiver. I got to have a receiver. And then you do something that maybe you shouldn't do. You just go uh, – you just apply the formulas that you've been applying. You look at it from a financial aspect, supply, demand, all that kind of stuff. Look at it vertically, horizontally. And then you make the right decision, not what emotionally the decision is going to be. And that's the thing that stands out to me. And, Mark, you mentioned it. When you hear Nick come up with us later on, everyone will hear when we ask the question, so first draft, how do you feel? Man, you tell me my first draft, I'm geeked out of my mind. I'm like, oh, it was so <laughs> cool. It was this, it was that. And Nick is like, yeah, you know, it's another step in the building of this team going forward. And that, to me, impressed me because it's so opposite of what I am. <laughs> well, and me too, Johnny, because, you know, I tend to get emotional. Look. I lost a flag football game as head coach yesterday with eight-year-olds playing, and it was like losing the AFC championship game, all right? And it was a regular yeah. season game. And then yeah. I beat myself up later. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have put this guy in this position. Anyway, so, I yeah, I get emotional too. But, you know, it's funny. We've been using sort of fictional – you know me. I use the movies to describe everything, and I've been using Brad Pitt and Moneyball for some of this Texan stuff going on this offseason 
And I know Moneyball is a true story, sort of, but with some amalgam characters. But hear me out on this. We're talking financial, and I'm thinking uh, Gordon Gecko with ethics here, uh, because yeah. in, in Wall Street, in the montage uh, where Gecko is talking to a lot of different people in different scenes, Oliver Stone has him saying, never get emotional about stock. It clouds yes. your judgment, right? right? So don't get emotional about this. Stay clean emotionally stay factual stick to the board and it seems like this is what's happened here and we'll see how it all works out you know i i think that we over perhaps i i know we do like by and large i'm not saying you do but the draft gets over analyzed but it's usually important but it's not the only thing and when you look at the amount of success teams have it's really amazing you know how many picks really ultimately don't make it so if you hit on a bunch of players in one draft, and we've seen it in Texans history a few times where you hit on almost every player, like 06, 09, drafts like that, it's really fun to watch. And I hope this is one of those for this organization. I've said this many times as it pertains to draft excellence and hitting on picks. You think about it in terms of three-point shooting. If you think about it in terms of three-point shooting, and what's successful as a three-point shooter? Like what's successful as a three-point shooter? 38 to 42%, something along those lines. That's yeah. gonna be that's that's gonna be a pretty solid performance as as a GM, maybe, maybe a little bit higher. You can't think about it. a lot of people want it to be free throw percentage. People are norm, are, are regularly shooting 75 to 80% free throw wise, and that's what they want their G, their GMs to be in the draft. It's that's not historically the way it goes. I don't think you think about it as a hitting percentage. You got to hit a little bit more than three out of 10. If you think about it as three point percentage, a really good three point shooter is going to be anywhere from 45 to 47%. Man, if you hit that as a GM in the draft, you're doing a pretty, a pretty solid job. But if you think about it that way, okay, five picks, 40% of them work out. That means two of these guys are going to end up being starters and players. If you think about it from that, just that perspective. And obviously you build in rounds, which guy was taken in which round and all that kind of stuff. But that's the way you kind of have to look at it. You can't look at it as, and you, you've mentioned it. Look, of Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins, you hope that it's one of them. I mean, you hope it's both, but you just hope that one of them turns into the guy, at least one turns into the guy that can come in and catch 65, 70 passes a year and be an impact player uh, from a pass catcher standpoint. The drafts where you have 60 to 70% hit rate, those are the ones that turn good teams into playoff teams, playoff teams into dynasties, dynasties into, you know, never forget them for as long as we live sort of thing. But those are so few and far between, even with all the information we have. But think about it like an NBA three-point shooter. Good ones are where? 38 to 42, somewhere in that range. That's what a GM, you hope, will hit. That'll be the hit rate on draft picks, maybe a tad higher. But think about it that way. And then that kind of levels off your expectation. As you said, Mark, you, you, just don't, you just don't know. Could be injuries. I mean, I think back to Clowney. Clowney was 1-1. He was overall number one in 2014. Injuries the first two years, and everybody wants to write him off. And then all of a sudden, in the third year, you're like, no. This guy might be the truth now that he's fully healthy. And so those things, you know, you hope it's with Cowley wearing. First two years, injuries set him back. Can't really get on the field. You know, maybe year three is the one that takes off C.J. Fedorowicz. First couple of years are kind of like, eh, all right, not, not too bad. And then year three, boom, away you go. So, again, 
maybe you get a stock at a certain price. You got to let it uh, develop a little bit. And then maybe it hits in a couple years down the road. But that's the way to me to think about a hit rate, if you will, uh, for general managers. Hopefully on this one, Nick hits, you know, be nice to hit 100%. But we know realistically that's that's not going to happen. But, Mark, I heard one thing. Get your comment on this. Brandon Bean, the GM for the Buffalo Bills, said this. I thought this was I thought it was interesting because actually Stephon Diggs responded to it. And Brandon Bean said, I'm done paying for Stephon Diggs because he gave up a first rounder in 20, uh, in 2020 to right. get Stephon Diggs. And it, it paid off for Buffalo. But he said, I'm, I'm done paying for it. The payments are all done for the trade for Laramie Tunsil. First round picks are all back. Second round yep. picks are all back. That's that payment's all it's all done. And now hopefully we can reap the rewards of Laramie going forward. It was tough to go through, but that's all behind us, thankfully. And now we got a full litany of picks. And as I texted Drew today, when Adam Schefter announced that the draft would be in Las Vegas, we got to get in next year and make sure that we don't lose our first and second to make sure Drew gets a trip to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And look, I, I like that you brought this up. Because what were we saying over the weekend about DeForest Buckner for the Colts? And what have I always said? Yeah, they paid a lot for him, but you got to deal with him. And Laramie, yep. yeah, it was not, you know, you went to a nice store and bought something really nice, you know, player acquisition-wise. And it definitely was not cheap. It was not on sale. But you've got it, and it's really nice. You've got one of the best left tackles in the league, and that's going to help moving forward. I think, Johnny, on the 2021 Texans, the offensive line can be real solid. Now, this is a great thing to say. That's the most important position group on the team other than you-know-what. So, yep. And, and you-know-what doesn't function well without a really good offensive line. So the fact that they're getting it together there in a real good way, and I know certain things have to pan out, Cannon and Britt, whatever, but – I do believe that that could definitely happen and you could have a real sharp offensive line and you take it from there. What we all know they need to run the ball better. We all know they need to make, you know, big plays if possible on offense with whatever they're dealing with. But I think that the, the draft and some of the acquisitions they've made are certainly going to help in this department. And we just got to see how they develop this off uh, this defense. You know, I think the defensive side of the ball, is intriguing we talked about the position groups i know we're going to do it on future episodes of this show a lot uh but you and i went over to a bunch on saturday and i'm i'm eager to keep sharing those things and going over those things until we see it for real at the houston methodist training center no doubt mark appreciate it actually you're going to stick around because we talked to gm nick casario the man who led this texans organization making these picks over the weekend, will join us next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Monday Texans Radio Studio Mobile Version. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, draft expert, constructor of the Harris 100. Hopefully you guys had a chance to read that, get, a, get uh, some info from that uh, throughout this entire draft process. On Saturday, when the draft was over, and I finally had a chance to, well, kind of catch my breath a little bit, Mark Vandermeer and I had a chance to catch up with the GM of your Houston Texans, Nick Casario, and get his thoughts about all that went on, even Thursday night, when they didn't make a pick, but everything that went down on Friday and Saturday, here is Mark 
myself, and Nick Casario. Well, the draft is over for the Houston Texans. It's over for the entire National Football League. Undrafted free agents are being signed. And right now on Texans Draft Live, let's catch up with the general manager of the Houston Texans, Nick Casario. Nick, congratulations on the draft. Mark and John with you. How do you feel about what you were able to accomplish this weekend? Nick, do you hear us okay? I got you. Okay, I'm Nick. here. All right, tell us how you feel about what you were able to get done this weekend in the NFL draft. Uh, you know, we added some players to our team who, uh, you know, we liked. Um, continue the team building process. Uh, so put the roster, uh, you know, after today, 83-ish. Some Two players will sign after the draft or work through the whole free agent process, undrafted process. So, um, again, just try to be purposeful with what we were trying to do. And, again, like we talked about last night a little bit, team building process is ongoing. It doesn't, it doesn't end here today. There will be things that probably players on there on this team that we're not even talking about that will be here, whether it's through the spring or even in a training camp. So we'll just take inventory of where we are. There will be a lot of players so, who won't be committed to some teams who will be looking for some opportunities elsewhere. Again, like there's players that have actually – made big impacts on teams who either weren't drafted or drafted or weren't even signed or committed to teams. So there will be players that pop up here over the next however many days and weeks. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to take inventory of what's there. And if there's an opportunity for us to add somebody to our team that we feel makes sense, then we'll certainly pursue it. Nick, since you've been here, you've been going, 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 you get into free agency that just gets into draft prep. Then you get the draft. You talk about this being an ongoing process, but do you personally get to kind of step away and catch a breath and just collect yourself to kind of get ready for the rest of that team building process, or you just keep grinding 24-7? Yeah, no, it's a good question. You want to take a step back and, and just really take an inventory of where you are as a team. Um, again, try not to get too high, get too low, and just understand that this is an ongoing process. Putting a team together takes time. Um, it's never going to be about one particular player, one particular pick. Um, I think that's the intrigue and the beauty behind putting NFL teams and rosters together, right? There's always opportunities that exist, and you just try to be smart about uh, decisions that you make. So, um, yeah, again, everybody's put a lot of time and effort into it. The scouting staff has been invaluable. I mean, can't say enough about the work that they've done. Um, So everybody's put a lot of time and effort into it. It's a team effort. It's an organizational effort. Um, you know, my responsibility is to kind of hopefully steer it in the right direction. But, again, there's a lot of people that are involved, a lot of the important people that, that are a part of this. And we can't lose sight of the myriad of people that put time and effort into this. But I think it's important for all of us to, 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 all of us to take a step back and realize it's, you know, it's football. It's what we do. It's not who we are. So there's time to enjoy this. But by the same token, you know, enjoy the people that we love the most, which is our family. And, you know, just make sure we don't lose sight of that. Um, you know, because they're more important than anything else. So, um, you know, it's nice to kind of, at least you have an end point where we are right now, but now we kind of transition to spring scouting and kind of looking looking forward to the fall scouting process as it pertains specifically to the college draft for 2022 or whatever it is. Oh, wow. We're already working on that. All right, Nick, before we get to that, though, Brevin Jordan, first pick of the day. We talked about last night's picks in the interview last night, but what can you tell us about the tight end from Miami and what your hopes are for him? Yeah, uh, productive player. Uh, played quite a bit since his since his freshman year. 
um, six two and a half, almost six three, two hundred forty five pounds. So, um, you know, runs fairly well. Um, had some production, you know, with the ball in his hands. Um, so they've had some decent tight ends over the past few years, you know, down in Miami. Um, Brevin certainly has acquitted himself well. Um, so again, as we work through the process, it's picking players relative to what your options are at other spots. Um, so again, we talked a little bit about this last night, kind of going into the day with five picks, more about maneuvering than specifically trading up. So, you know, we knew there was going to be, I don't know, 40 or so players that were going to be picked before we picked. Um, so there was a lot of discussion around this pick. I'd say there definitely was a lot of um, a lot of calls from some different teams, um, but we just didn't feel like trying to move back and maybe move back up. Um, you know, we thought we just the best thing to do for us was just to sit and pick, and we made the pick with Brevin. There's a joke going around in studio, Nick, that somebody slipped my best player available on my board in front of you, and you went with it because Brevin Jordan was that guy for me. So I was very, very excited to see that you drafted Brevin Jordan. I was also excited to see that you did not draft a kicker. And I'm also excited to see that you drafted a Horn Frog in Garrett Wallow. What can you tell us about the young man from Louisiana who played at TCU? Well, first of all, that list never made it across my desk, John. <laughs> that's so a shame. Maybe it landed on Mark's desk or somebody else's yeah. desk. But, uh, Dang it, that's a no, shame. Garrett, I think when you look at the TCU program, um, it's all about defense. Coach Patterson, and, and he's built the program on defense and players that can run, players that can tackle. Um, Garrett uh, – certainly emblem um, embodied what they tried to do defensively so um played a little bit inside played detached from the formation a little bit um you know could run and tackle uh has some similarities to some of the players that that we have currently on the roster so you know he'll he'll be competitive with that group um a plus plus football makeup and character which is important like we talked about last night if you want to have a, a team and a culture of competitiveness selflessness and toughness need to be purposeful about the types of players that you bring into the building that exemplify and have those qualities so i'd say say garrett it fits into that fits into that bucket nick give us a comment on roy lopez as well seems like a lower center of gravity defensive lineman beefy guy up front what can you tell us about him yeah for high school wrestler uh, grad transfer, uh, started his career in Mexico, New Mexico State, uh, right, and then went to Arizona. Uh, dad's really successful, was a successful high school coach there in Arizona. Uh, but the way he articulated it, Mark, you know, strong. Um, I think he did, I don't know, 36 bench presses or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's some like, ridiculous amount. So um, has good playing strength, plays a pretty good leverage, um, good football makeup, um, tough, instinctive. Um, you know, real smart guy. So, um, again, we'll put him in a mix with our group, um, and everybody's been going to be given the same opportunity. Um, so, um, but I'd say Roy embodies a lot of the qualities that, that we've discussed, I would say, at length here over the past however many weeks and months. Nick, now that we've gotten into the undrafted free agent process, and, and for us it's now getting into it because literally our radio is over, but that's probably been going on for a while, making calls, et cetera. What's that process like? It feels like it's this sprint stop. It feels like Houston traffic. You're kind of in one lane sprinting, going over the other lane, kind of going back the other direction. What's that process like with making calls to prospects that you could potentially sign as undrafted free agents? John, you must be in different traffic. Nobody's sprinting. I think it's more <laughs> of a crawl. But anyways, uh, yeah, it can be. Honestly, it's, it's probably more chaotic for the players and the agents because once the draft is over, 
sometimes before the draft is over, they're fielding calls and trying to process information quickly because there's only so many chairs at the table. And if you don't grab one of those chairs, then the team is on to the next one. So you have to really have uh, some understanding of the opportunity that's in front of you. Maybe you've done some research ahead of time. Some of the agents try to earmark certain teams where they feel that that player may fit best. So again, it's, it can be, it can be strenuous and, and really more so for the players and agents. I think the teams have an idea of players who they feel if they're not drafted, they would earmark and like to bring in. But again, you can't get too caught up in one player. You could say this is our top player and you allocate time and resources. And he says, you know what, I'm going to go another direction. I mean, okay, you just turn the page and try to go on to the next player. So um, it'll all come together uh, eventually by, you know, the next, I would say a couple hours. I mean, it's, teams will probably start to get to fulfilling their 90-man rosters. So, again, there's opportunities for, for players that aren't drafted just as well as the players that are drafted. So um, I'm sure there will be a number of players in this category that will pop up on rosters week one. Um, so, again, players come from different shapes and sizes, and they can come from many different avenues relative to how they get to your team. Nick, what can you tell the listeners about when and how you can get these guys together on Texans campus at NRG Stadium, on the practice fields, how they will go about the rest of the offseason? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. So the, really the first thing for this group, the rookie group, will be rookie minicamp. Uh, when we have that, we're still working through some of the logistics on that. Mm-hmm. But then once we get them here for rookie minicamp, then they have the ability to stay for the duration of the offseason program, which goes through the middle of June. So really – they're going to get force-fed a lot of information on a lot of different levels of the football operation, not just schematics, but it'll be strength and conditioning. It'll be football nutrition. It'll be nutrition, a myriad of things. And what you're trying to do is you can get them as prepared as possible for what training camp is going to look like and try to take care of everything, put a foundation in place as much as possible so that when they come here for training camp, they know what the expectation is because then once training camp starts, I mean, things are going to start to move pretty quickly. So we'll have, call it four to six weeks for them to really kind of get situated. And our job as a staff is to try to give them as much information as possible. That- there is Nick Casario, GM of your Houston Texans, talking about this process, what these rookies are up against over the next few weeks. But can't wait to get them in the building and let them start to get, as he said, situated Know where everything is. Find where everything is. I know last year was a whirlwind. And it'll be a whirlwind for these guys as well coming in. However, you bring them in, you let them compete, see where you are. All right. Appreciate Nick for joining us. That was, was great stuff all weekend. And glad he was able to join us. Not just Saturday, but he also joined us Friday night as well. Now, there are 31 other teams in the league. I'm going to, as quickly as possible, I'm going to try and give you the Twitter tweet version of how I feel all teams in the league did. I'll attempt this next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to our final segment of Texans All Access on this Monday evening, post-2021 NFL Draft. I'm your host, John Harris, football and outside reporter, uh, draft guy, draft guru, draft extraordinary. I don't care what you call me. Just call me John. That works as well. Now, I'm going to try something and this is going to be an experiment, but we are going to go fast. I'm going to rip through every single team, give you just a quick snippet, and I'm going to get through 31 teams. How about that? Hang on. Here we go. All right. Arizona Cardinals against Zayvon Collins in the first round, which I thought was a solid pick at 16, but they get Rondell Moore in a second. Beautiful pick 
for the Cardinals. Atlanta Falcons, it was Kyle Pitts, Richie Grant, and then a bunch of question marks. Not sure I love what they were able to do in Atlanta. The Baltimore Ravens got a Bateman and Oway. I got love the pick of Brandon Stevens at number 104 overall in the third round. But Tylen Wallace might be the biggest surprise there at 131. I think he's going to pan out in Baltimore. I like what Baltimore did. Some high upside there with those picks and a lot of college prediction. Coming to Baltimore, Buffalo, Gregory Rousseau goes at number 30. To get him at number 30, I thought it was great. But then to double up and get Carlos Basham in the second round, oh my gosh. I think the surprise there might be DeMar Hamlin at pick number two. 12 for the Bills. Let's get to Carolina where they did a lot of things on offense, including Terrace Marshall, Melishu, Brady Christensen, tackle from BYU, Tommy Tremble, the best blocking tight end in this draft, Chuba Hubbard, the running back out of Oklahoma State that Matt Rule faced when he was at Baylor, Deontay Brown at guard. Man, they did some good things. I like that draft for Carolina. Chicago drafted Justin Fields. That's all you need to know. Let's go to Cincinnati Bengals. They eschewed Panay Sewell early in this draft to go with Jamar Chase. Then they went with, to me, a questionable pick at 46. That's Jackson Carmen. We'll see how it works out, but I like Joseph Osai at number 69. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. My goodness. Smashed it. Completely and totally smashed it. And it could be just the first two picks. Greg Newsom, the corner, goes at 26. Jeremiah Usukoramora fell a little bit because of heart condition. But cleared before the draft, he goes at number 52. Those two picks, to me, make the draft. But you throw in James Hudson from Cincinnati with some high upside on offensive line. Tommy Togia in the defensive line with some strength. And then Weapon X in round seven, Demetric Felton. My goodness. Great draft. Great draft for Andrew Berry and the Cleveland Browns. Dallas Cowboys hit Micah Parsons. Hit Oso Digizua. Hit Chauncey Golston. Big hit. Jabril Cox. Big hit. Simi Fehoku. Ooh, boy. But, boy, they went high risk, high reward in the second round with Kelvin Joseph. I hope it pans out. But if that's the corner they're relying on, it's not highly reliable. Let's go to Denver. No Justin Fields, but Patrick Sertan. That pick will be the question mark for the next five years. If Sertan's an all-pro, no big deal. If Justin Fields is an all-pro, massive deal. Javante Williams, they traded up to get the second round. Of course, they got my guy, Quinn Miners, at number 98 overall. The question will be what Justin Fields does in Chicago and did Denver make a mistake by passing. Detroit got Panay Sewell, Levi Onzerike, Aleem McNeil, Ifiatu Melfonwu, and Derek Brown in the fourth round. Jamar Jefferson in the seventh. I loved Detroit's draft. Love it. Not a huge fan of Mount Amon Ross, St. Brown, but at number 112 overall, got to take it. Green Bay took a corner in the first round. Green Bay took a corner in the first round. I actually like their picks later on, like Josh Myers at 62, Mari Rogers at 85, and Tadaro Slayton at 173 was a guy that I thought maybe the Texans would look at just because of his size and strength over the nose. But Eric Stokes will be that pick for Green Bay that everybody points back to. Did they get it right? We'll find out. The Colts, we talked about this a little bit. Pay, Deo Adengbo, those two picks right off the bat. I don't want to say high risk, high reward. Deo's got an injury he's coming back from. Pay, I think, is going to be a player. When you, when, he, when you see what he's come from and what he put his mind to, I really like Pay at number 21 overall for the, for the Colts. Not for us, but for the Colts. Jaguars, Jacksonville, 
A lot of picks I like here. Maybe the best pick overall to me might have been Jalen Camp, 6'3", 230-pound wide receiver at pick 209 in the seventh round. That might be the pick of their draft, to be honest with you. Walker Little, Piscopal High School grad in Houston, goes to number 45. I think he could grow into a starter. Overall, you got to give the Jags a thumbs up, reluctantly. Kansas City Chiefs drafted Creed Humphrey at center in the second round. They drafted Trey Smith in the sixth round. Those are two starters. And they may get a starter. Actually, they'll get a starter out of Nick Bolton. It's just a matter of when. I thought for only having six picks, two, four, six picks, the Chiefs did a really, really nice job. Trey Smith in a six is a killer. Oh, my gosh. Las Vegas Raiders. Alex Leatherwood in the first. Not, I was not as high on him. I could, but I could see it. Then they stole a pick. I think the Texans were looking at Nate Hobbs in the sixth round. It was a typical Raiders draft. A lot of kind of question marks that if they turn into something, you go, oh, well, they know what they're doing. But if they don't, oh, boy, it could get nasty. The Chargers are next. Sean Slater at 13, gets some protection for Justin Herbert. Sante Samuel Jr. at 47. I love the pick of Josh Palmer, the receiver from Tennessee at 77. Those, to me, were the big picks. The surprise pick could be down in the sixth round, Larry Roundtree running back from Missouri. I really liked him. The L.A. Rams' first pick, your son, if he's 12 years or under, might be bigger than Tutu Atwell. He's 145 pounds, uh, but he runs a 4-2. He can fly. But a lot of questions with the Rams draft. They took some question marks. If these guys hit, it will be great. Bobby Brown, I loved him. Robert Rochelle, really loved the speed. Ernest Brown in the fifth round, fifth round, sixth round from Northwestern. If those guys hit, this could be a great draft. If not, ugh, you won't get much out of it. Miami Dolphins. Jalen Waddell, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland. Boom, boom, boom. And then Lee Meikenberg at 42. They made the most of having extra picks in the top 50. Crushed it. Minnesota, moving down to get Christian Derrissaw. Brilliant move. Got him some extra third-round picks. Not sure I love some of the other picks they made. I do love Janarius Robinson in the fourth round uh, at 134. That was some brilliant maneuvering right there. But... Christian Darisol will be the guy. If he protects quarterback, great. If not, could be trouble. New England, Mac Jones. Uh, all I got to say about that. What happens there, we'll see. New Orleans Saints, a little bit of a risk with Peyton Turner, but I love Pete Warner overall. I don't know if I love it. Took Ian Book in the fourth round. Ugh. New York Giants took Kadarius Tony, and the Jags wanted him. I can live with that. Aziz Ojolar, number 50, I think was a steal. Jets, Zach Wilson traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, then took Elijah Moore and running back Michael Carter, all within... Picks 107, the first 107 picks. Brilliant job by Joe Douglas and the Jets. Brilliant. Eagles traded up to get Devontae Smith. Also got Landon Dickerson. When he comes back, that'll be a steal. And then they got two of my buddies' clients back-to-back. Milt Williams from La Tech, Zach McPherson, the corner from Texas Tech. So hopefully they will all do well. Patrick Johnson, the seventh round, is a freaking steal. Steelers, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, here we come. The best pick there might be Kendra Green in third. Center, steps right in as a starter. San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance, number three overall. No matter what else they did, the draft comes down to what he does. The Seahawks had three picks. I love Dwayne Eskridge, love Trey Brown in the fourth. And so foresight, a lot of people, my buddy included, Lance Zerline, thought he was one of the better tackles in this draft. They get him in 208. Tampa Bay, Joe Tryon, I think is going to be a player for them. I really do. Again, Jalen Darden, weighed in the fourth round, huge value. Titans, Caleb Farley is a dude. Eli, Elijah Molden at number 100, dude. Des Fitzpatrick at 109, dude. After that, not much, but they got some value in that draft. Washington football team, Jamin Davis is the hottest stock going, but keep an eye on Benjamin St. Juice, the corner at number 74. He's a stud. 
absolute stud corner. And that, my friends, is your 2021 draft in a nutshell. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.